Hello there. This is the Crunchy Christian Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I am a master herbalist, aromatherapist, author, speaker, blogger, and veteran homeschooling mama of four. You can learn more about how I can equip you to pursue God's best naturally at my website, julienaturally.com. And now, today's show. Hey, it's Julie, and welcome to Crunchy Christian Podcast, where we talk about all things green and growing that God gave us. Today, we are continuing with our holiday plant series, and we're going to talk about the Pinus species. These are evergreen trees. They include things like the pine tree, Scots pine, bristlecone pine, you know, all the different kinds of pines, white pine, eastern pine. (laughs) Um, But it also includes some other species that we don't normally think of as pine trees, but they do have similar properties and uses. Um, So we're just talking about them as a group, the pinus family, excuse me, pinus family of trees. So I have some fun facts for you about Christmas trees and about pine lore from all over the world. It's pretty exciting. So the the first interesting fact I'm going to share with you, did you know that the oldest living tree in the world is, guess what? A pine tree. That's right. It's the bristlecone pine tree that they call Methuselah. In California, in the White Mountains in California, and um, it's very secret. They won't tell you where it is because, of course, you know, there are people out there who might do something not very nice with that old tree. So we'll just leave it at that. So they keep it kind of secret. That tree has been estimated to be over 5,000 years old. Um, that's their best estimate. Can you imagine how big that tree must be? Uh, I, I, it's gotta be really amazing. Um, and that makes it, um, line up pretty nicely with, um, biblical history too, which is pretty cool. The, now we're going to get into some mythology from around the world. We're going to start with Europe. Uh, The ancient Greeks held that the pine was particularly sacred to their god Dionysus. In Corinth, the ancient city of Corinth, the Corinthians were ordered by the Delphi Oracle to worship the pine along with Dionysus. In their culture, the evergreen tree was the symbol of immortality, and they would use it to purify, sterilize, and embalm things that they wanted to preserve over time, uh, which is some of what we use it for today, such as, you know, coating the inside and outside of boats or, um, you know, other things that we need to put a sealant on, we use pine that way. And they also used it to embalm the dead. So they would, um, you know, coat the the mummy type <laughs> uh, dead with pine as well. The Romans 
too had a mythology around pine. So they have a story about their goddess Sibyl. And she fell in love with a handsome young man, Attis. And she took him to her temple to be a priest there. And he had to take a vow of chastity. But, of course, in a lot of Roman and Greek mythology, there's jealousy and, you know, intrigue. A lot of things that you find in a human soap opera, which is kind of strange, really, uh, if they're gods, which just shows that they're not really gods, right? Um, But in their mythology... um, she took him to be a priest, and he had to vow a vow of chastity. But another goddess who was jealous of Sybil, she seduced him, and he broke his vow. And so he ran away, and uh, Sybil was very angry with him, of course, and the story goes that she drove him mad, and and he died under the branches of a pine tree. It's said that their god Jupiter took pity on him and turned him into an immortal pine that was watched over and protected by Saturn. And interestingly, at their spring equinox at that time, uh, which is March 22nd, the followers of Sybil, they would cut down a pine tree and bring it into the sanctuary in honor of Attis. And then during the Roman holiday of Saturnalia, which happens to coincide with our Christmas uh, celebration, the ancient Romans would decorate pine trees with ornaments, such as their oscula, which were made in the image of Bacchus, um, and little clay dolls known as sigillaria. Um, So, you know, there's quite a lot of mythology in ancient Greece and Rome. But, you know, the old Norse mythologies wouldn't be left out. So they also have a mythology around the pine tree. Uh, They were decorated... um, to celebrate the birth of Frey, the Norse god of the sun and fertility. So they would decorate pine trees at the end of the year, and they would light up the tops of the trees uh, so that um, they would attract the sun because, of course, in winter the days are getting shorter. So they thought that if we light up the pine trees, Um, maybe that will help bring back the sun. Yeah. Um, in Asia, uh, we're moving on to the Asian continent now. They also have some mythology around pine, but their, uh, celebration of the pine also has some modern, uh, stories to it that are based in truth, which are quite interesting. So, um, In Japan, pine trees are associated with the new year. Not that big of a surprise since evergreen trees are are around in the wintertime too. But many Japanese will hang a bundle of pine twigs and bamboo trunks known as a kado matsu or gate pine in English. They 
will hang those little bundles on their doors so that they can receive a blessing from the gods. Uh, And in ancient times, in the Japanese Middle Ages, pines were a common decoration for samurai warrior um, armor. They would use it to um, also to mark the boundaries of their sacred temples. And it's also a popular choice for bonsai. Uh, these bonsai trees, did you know that uh, bonsai is not a special species of tree? It's actually a full, it's, it's a regular tree that is just trimmed and manicured and trained to grow a certain way. And they, um, they take a regular sapling and they train it to stay small and uh, to take on a particular shape. And there's a, a certain art to it and a certain sort of meditative quality about it. But they're, they're not special trees, um, which is pretty remarkable that they're able to take a tree that normally grows to, you know, hundreds of feet tall, uh, you know, to keep it really small. It's, it's amazing. But they do, they do choose pine trees very often. And uh, in more recent times, uh, there, in March of 2011, there was both a tsunami and an earthquake that devastated the city of Rukuzantata. Um, the surrounding forest of 70,000 pine trees was completely destroyed except for one tree. They called it the miracle tree. Um, the tree became a national symbol of resilience and determination and um, unfortunately, though, there was a lot of seawater that had seeped into the wood and uh, caused it to rot. So they had to cut it down in September of 2012. But they, you know, they still remember uh, this miracle tree that survived um, such great disaster there. So it is a symbol of longevity and resilience there as well. Now, here in North America... The Native Americans have long held a special, uh, a special place for the pine tree as well. It is sacred among the six nations of the Haudenosaunee or the U- Iroquois Confederacy. The Iroquois Confederacy is made up of Seneca, Cayuga, Onondaga, Oneida, Mohawk, and Tuscarora, Tus- Tuscarora nations. Uh, so they all came together, and they, the pine tree is the tree of peace because it's underneath the, the pine tree, this particular tree, that their weapons were buried, and they came together and formed uh, this confederacy. And they're not the only ones that hold the pine tree as sacred. It's sacred to a lot of other Native American tribes as well. And of course, as is true with pretty much any plant they come across, they have found medicinal uses for pine. 
And they've used the pine needles, the sap, the bark, the nuts, all kinds of things for medicine, for handicrafts. Uh, The little pine needle baskets are still very popular. And they use uh, pine nuts and that in recipes. And sometimes you can find pine nuts at the grocery store too. So uh, those are used. So how did the pine tree come to be associated with Christmas? If it has this special place in the legends and mythology uh, and history of, of people groups all over the world, how did it come to be associated with Christmas? Um, you know, there seems to be a little bit of a jump from, you know, the, the traditions of peace and longevity and the mythology to being in your house with presents and lights and ornaments and things like that. So how, how did that happen? Well, you remember from previous episodes, we have talked about the Roman Saturnalia. And I did mention it just a few minutes ago um, about pine trees and the Roman holiday of Saturnalia. And of course, that is um, how... Um, the 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 season of celebrating Christmas came to be associated with that as uh, because Saturnalia was uh, a celebration of the coming of the sun S U uh, N because after the winter solstice the uh, the amount of sunlight gradually increases and the church the Christian church. Um, as often happened, they wanted to Christianize the holiday, and so it became associated with the birth of the Son, S-O-N, the Son of God. And um, they so they changed the celebration to that, and um, they kept some of the old traditions, though. So some of the same plants and colors, uh, just took on new symbolism and new meaning, but they were still incorporated into the holiday. So the uh, association of pine trees with Saturnalia, some of that could have been because of just the Christianization of the holiday. But uh, there are a number of different legends that have arisen around the pine tree uh, associated with Christ and um, with different saints and things like that. So uh, in the Middle Ages, in the very early Middle Ages, there was a legend that had grown up that when Jesus Christ was born in the dead of winter, which we now know it wasn't in the dead of winter. It was actually probably at the end of summer, like August, September. Uh, at any rate, because they had already changed the holiday, um, when he was born, the legend says that every tree throughout the world miraculously shook off the ice and snow and produced new shoots of green. And at the same time, around this same time, Christian missionaries preaching to the Germans and Slavs, uh, they were taking, you know, a more lenient approach to some of their cultural practices, such as the evergreen trees. So this was after, you know, the change from Saturnalia to Christmas. Um, 
And uh, so they felt uh, that, you know, the incarnation of Christ gave Christ, proclaimed Christ's lordship over everything, over all symbols and any symbols that even had been used before for the worship of pagan gods. Well, Jesus Christ has dominion over that and that um, that everything could be converted. And so that's how they held. And so that's how you can get uh, the conversion from the Christmas tree. The tree associated with Saturnalia, the tree associated with Norse myths and traditions to be uh, converted to a celebration of Christ. And around the same time, in about the 800 or so AD, there are a number of legends that came up around Saint Boniface. I don't know why it's Saint Boniface, but it's it, with him in particular. And some of these are pretty fantastic myths and legends um, because you know they. They obviously are, there's obviously no truth to them, but they're pretty amazing because um, <laughs> this one, this is pretty interesting. St. Boniface brought down a giant ash tree, the Idrisil, which is part of Norse mythology um, that is, they say, holds all the levels of the world. So um, and then he planted pine as a symbol of God's eternal love and filled it with candles to symbolize the purification and light of Christ. Now, obviously, um, you know, with that mythology, um, that gives a bit of credit to the mythology of the Norse. And so obviously there's, that's kind of outlandish, but it's an interesting legend nonetheless that they um would associate pine with uh with christ in that way um others say that after cutting down an oak tree that was sacred sacred to the pagan god thor uh boniface pointed to a nearby fir tree instead as a symbol of the love and mercy of god so still again uh, same themes. And another legend says that St. Boniface knocked down, again, a huge oak tree. And that when he did that, it took down all the oak trees that surrounded him, except for this little pine tree. And he called the pine tree, the tree of the child God, symbolizing the triangular shape of the Holy Trinity. So, I don't know why there are these legends around St. Boniface. He must have done something pretty remarkable for there to be so many different legends about just him in particular. But um, that, that gives some clues as to the very early beginnings of the association of the pine tree with Christmas. Um, it began to be used regularly in Europe in the 16th century, particularly in Germany. But it became much more widespread all across Europe after um, Prince Albert and Queen Victoria put up this huge Christmas tree in Windsor Castle in 1841. 
they had quite a, an, an outstanding and pretty amazing uh, Christmas display that they had set up. Uh, and because, of course, the royalty did it and Queen Victoria was um, much respected and loved, uh, it became the fashion all over Europe. And then the Germans and the Dutch brought those traditions with them when they came to the United States in the 1800s. And this new image that they brought of, you know, happy families sharing gifts around a Christmas tree, that was quickly adopted by um, American authors and civic leaders to replace what had become a rather um, rowdy uh, tradition. There had been a tradition of wassailing and, um, you know, just having a lot of alcohol around. Uh, it had become kind of a rowdy party time. And they wanted to bring back a more family-centered holiday season. And uh, it, it, this new tradition coming with the new immigrants really helped with that. And so they, they took hold of that and popularized it with Twas the Night Before Christmas. Um, that's, it was, that poem was written in 1822 by Clement Moore. And uh, so all of those things happening around the same time. So you have, um, you know, the German families who have been doing that tradition for a while, bringing their traditions to the United States. You had what uh, what uh, Prince Albert and Queen Victoria were doing. So all around that time, uh, you had the adoption of Christmas trees with gift giving into the Christmas tradition. So, that, and that's that's about how that came about. Nobody has like a, a a super specific, yes, you know, this is exactly how it came about. But, um, you know, as often happens with traditions, there's a lot of different pathways and mythology and legends that are around it. So we don't know exactly, but these are some of the pathways by which it could have become a widely adopted tradition as it is now. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about pine uses and, um, and you know, just a little bit about that. I mean, everybody knows that pines are not only used at Christmas time for our tree, but we also use them in as building materials for our houses and also for furniture. Uh, we use pine tar and pitch. Um as I had mentioned earlier, uh, for coating boats and other waterproofing uh, needs. Um, we also get uh, turpentine from pine. And turpentine, of course, is an, is an important industrial solvent. And here's some fun facts. Uh, turpentine and tar water have been historically used in veterinary practice, uh, particularly with horses, uh, to help get rid of worms and kill parasites, treat mange, 
and as an antiseptic and stimulant for rheumatic swelling, sprains, and bruises in animals and um, in people. But uh, it's used uh, used externally uh, for the, of course, the arthritic pains and sprains and things like that. So it's historically been used in veterinary practice, probably not so much nowadays, um, but, uh, but it has been used that way. And in people, the resin has been used externally for skin infections and for joint inflammation. Internally, the traditional uses are mostly for the the needles. Uh, you don't really take the pine tar <laughs> internally. Uh, I would not uh, recommend that. It, it's it's the needles, like a tea made from the needles or an extract made from the needles, and uh, it has a special affinity for mucous membranes, so coughs, colds, allergies. Um, and also for kidney and bladder infections, very interesting. So uh, pine needles also make a really nice winter tea. Uh, they give a nice vitamin C boost. And you know, because they have the affinity to the mucous membranes, could be helpful for some of those winter ailments that we tend to get that, you know, the coughing and sneezing and things like that. There are a lot of species of pine, um, a lot of different types of trees in the pine family, and uh, I would not recommend just trying to go out and just use any old pine tree because some of the pines do have some toxic elements, particularly for children and pregnant women, so it's important to get the correct pine. Uh, so... Um, I hope that you learned some new things today uh, about the Christmas and the history of pine. It's certainly an amazing tree, uh, just lasting generations and um, just in an important tree historically and even in modern times, uh, just in the industrial uses alone is quite, it's quite an amazing tree. So, that's all I have for today, and I hope that you connect with me on Facebook at Julie Naturally or on Instagram at Successful.Unschooler. Meet me again next week for our next installment of Holiday Plants. God bless. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Show notes for today's broadcast can be found at crunchychristianpodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button now so you can join me next week. Until then, remember all you need is God, people, and growing things. God bless. God bless.